Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Earthly Delights podcast. Today we have Bernardo, who is a good friend of mine from Ecuador, who I met in uh, our master program last year. Bernardo is the co-founder of a non-governmental organization called Quid, a phenomenal dancer and a wholesome human. Bernardo, how are you doing? Hey, James. Thank you for having me here. Pleasure to have this conversation. How are you, how are you getting on? Well, it's, it's nice. Um, luckily, I'm healthy in this context of pandemic. So that's good. That's good so mm. far. It's, it's what we can hope, all we can ho- about hope for right now. Yeah, I mean, it's the most important thing right now in the context, in the given context, especially for the Ecuadorian case, being healthy and, and having all of your family members healthy is it's quite something. It's important and it gives you some peace of mind. But at the same time, it, it creates an obligation, you know, it creates an obligation mm-hmm. to, to do some stuff. I understand. I, I, I want to touch on this, but before um, before we, we, we talk about the obligation and the, and the work you're currently doing, I just wanted to inform, like for the listeners at home. So Bernardo and myself, we, we met last year studying a master's in public policy and human development in the Netherlands. And I was thinking a good place to start would be to ask how and why you became interested in public policy. Okay, sure. Um well, I, I studied political science and international relations here in Ecuador. It's kind of funny because I didn't want to study this at the fir- at the beginning. I wanted to be a journalist, but uh-huh. just a- about when I was going to sign in, in the university to begin the career, they showed me the the curriculum for the career, and uh-huh. it was like, okay, I like this. I, it, it's it's going to help me for my final dream which is to be a writer you know and then when i was inside of the system it was like okay this is something that i that i'm interested on i feel some sorts of responsibility to do something with this and then i decided to to continue with the path um it was not necessarily public policy that I wanted. It was more about regional integration, which is also like one of my biggest dreams. And that's how I ended up in, in Maastricht, you know, because they had this specialization in regional integration. Uh, I didn't care too much about the public policy. But then again, just like political science and international relations, it was some, something that caught me, you know, like uh, I something that I, I, I found some interest in interest on and i wanted to to keep forward with this and and then it's also part of quits uh proposal to start to create some um evidence-based public policy here in ecuador which which is something that we lack here Uh okay and can i ask what are the main difficulties uh pursuing this like pursuing your goals in ecuador well, yeah, Ecuador is a really politicized uh, nation from the beginning. Like, it's not something that's new. It's something that has already happened since we got our independence. Um, there are these kind of parties between uh, dif- the different regions in Ecuador. Ecuador is a country which is divided uh, in some geographical regions. And normally there's like this high leaderships who who want to prevail and to keep their control of their own uh, areas you know like mm-hmm. we we call them like these caudillos uh which is basically like these local leaders who want to prevail and to keep control of their population um and that has been something that is current in Ecuador and they have been some attempts to defy this but even I I would say that even culturally uh, there's these people who want also to to keep this system because it's convenient for them so in that sense uh, political parties have a strong um, you know like control of the of the situation here in Ecuador if if you want to change things, you need to be part of the political system at the end of the day. 
or at least you have to have enough money to intervene in the in the decision making because that mm. that's something that is quite important in terms of the political um decision making process here like if if you are part of the elite in a sense you you have some incidents uh than any other guy could make at the same time we we face uh, harsh polarization uh, which is part of this political thing but at the same time it, it has to do with the economics of the country um, people they tend to be divided in some sort of class uh, even some k kind of ethnic differences uh, as you probably know Ecuador has a relatively high indigenous population uh, rate and people tend to be segregated because of their the, the more indigenous you are the the is the most probable that you're going to be some sort of discriminated here in Ecuador so that's one of the issues that that also complicates things because there is not a clear view of of our nation in terms of what we expect to be it is rather what I want to be as an individual and people try to go that way. So that's also kind of hard because, uh, you know, like government programs, if you want to establish something to, to defy poverty or to defy inequality, these kind of people who, who could be considered, you know, like segregationist in a sense, uh, will will try to to avoid these kind of processes to happen. Even in the middle of the pandemic, there has been some attempts to increase tax rates for, you know, like for rich people. And the, the Congress has not been able to pass any law in that sense. Um, banks have an amazing control of the, of the decision making as well. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an issue because it creates some social tension between different groups of the society. Uh, as a matter of fact, we are having some kind of protests, which can be overshadowed by the protests in, in the U.S., you know, because of what's happening there. Mm, but people are going into the streets right now because they are complaining because the, the government has not been really efficient in the handling of the pandemic. Um, they have decided to cut a lot of uh, job positions, especially in the public sector, like around 100,000 jobs have been lost throughout the crisis. Um, and in addition, they decided to cut some budget uh, from public uh, education, from the public education system. So people are really concerned because of that. And that's something that, that makes it more difficult to, you know, to, to run uh, a career in public policy here in Ecuador because you all, always need to take into consideration to which section of the population you belong to, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like your target needs to be really specific uh, because otherwise, you know, it, it's kind of hard to get into the system. It's, it's not as easy as, as in some countries uh, in Europe where people just get prepared to to have a public career or a political career. And and you just need like again to prepare to educate yourself on the matter. Here is more a matter of of where do you belong to? Uh, who are who are the people behind you? Are you part of a political party? Uh, then you can do something. Otherwise, it's really hard. <sighs> Sounds very difficult. Uh, talk to me about community, Bernardo. I, I want to know uh, a two part question. How did the sense of community differ uh, from your year last year in the Netherlands compared to your time in Ecuador? And also, do you think that there's been a differing relationship between these um, different groups, as you say, in Ecuador since the pandemic? Well, it, it's it was really different, you know. Uh, it's It's kind of funny because here in Ecuador, people tend to be more social. Uh, despite this difference that I'm mentioning, uh, people tend to be more connected. Uh, there's a little bit of Latin warm, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this this idea of 
of being friends with your neighbor, um, of uh, here everybody is, is kind of your neighbor or, or your friend or your pal or something like that when you go to the to the small shop in this in the corner when you go to a restaurant uh, everyone can be your friend you call them like your pana uh which which translates to friend um you call them your bessie which is like a, a, a contraction of neighbor here in, in in ecuador um and there's like this this solidarity at the same time it's kind of funny because i'm mentioning all this division all this fragmentation but at the same time there's always this kind of um idea of a collective you know okay. which is kind of different from the netherlands because people tend to be a little bit colder than mm. than in ecuador but at the same time the way the the policies are applied are more communitarian you know like yes. it's something that i'm that i'm always talking with people here in in ecuador is like this idea that that i got in europe that Okay, every member of the of the community has a role, and because of that role, and because you want the community to grow stronger, you will help that that individual. Um, and that's something that that caught me kind of off guard at the same time, because uh, you know here is a, a little bit like you need to run for yourself, you know, okay. like you need to try and and fight for your own interest. Um, leaving behind all this idea that you are part of the same community in the Netherlands what I got is like there are these kind of programs where you focus on the on the people who are at the bottom so they can grow and be part of this bigger mach machine that is society at the end because if you help them to get through stuff they will be an important contribution to the to the society uh, this this fact of public education, because at the end of the day, Maastricht was a public institution, uh, and they invested a lot of money in order for students to succeed. Uh, this idea of having like free transportation, like you could use the bus, the train, all the all the transportation for free in the Netherlands if you were a Dutch student. Um, this reduction of the fees as a European, just in order for people to to study what they want, to continue studying, like these credits that the Europeans get in order to be able to study, to, to survive, um, these subsidies that students get just for housing. This is something that we lack here. This is something that, that is really different in, in terms of how things work, because we have a lot of public programs but at the same time, these kind of programs tend to be, you know, like in a sense of charity sometimes, like because people cannot cannot do it because by themselves they are unable to study, they are unable to uh, grow. That's one of the ideas that that I've sensed that there is a difference. Um, the the idea of the welfare state in Europe is more a matter of uh, a political view. Like you understand that you need to, to do it. And, and most people don't question that. Like the, mm. the idea that you need to, to make each person grow and to be healthy and to be uh, successful um, is something that probably in Latin America, there's not that, that idea so far. It, it's more a matter than here. We have like a say in which people say like, uh, don't envy others just work that's what people tend to to say to others like uh if you are in a bad position it's kind of your fault uh you are poor because you want to um and that's something that that i sent sent sense uh that it was not part of the environment that we were part of in maastricht at the end of the day interesting so like there appears to be like a disconnect between the local kind of uh, viewpoint or uh, way of life in Ecuador uh, between, yeah, there seems to be a disconnect between the local and the policy level. Whereas in Europe, you're saying your experience was that local, maybe not as strong, but the policy was way stronger or em embodied this, this uh, local communal aspect. 
Yes, yes, that that's something that I, that I feel. I, I feel that uh, the policy in Europe was kind of really efficient and effective. <laughs> you you might <laughs> you might remember that. Um, <laughs> while here is is more a matter of uh, you know like sentiment, um, this idea of populism, like people will follow their leader no matter what, just because they give them material stuff uh, mm. they don't care if they steal as far as they give them what they want you know we, we had this problem mm. here in ecuador our last president he was uh, a guy who who spent a lot of money uh in roads um in hydroelectrics uh in a lot of programs and people were really happy because of that and then sadly it was demonstrated that that there was a lot of corruption cases. Like right now, he's sentenced to jail uh, because of money, you know, like money laundering. laundering. And, yeah, and also because like there were some companies that paid the government to earn the contracts, you know. Uh, and he was probably not part of, of, of the system because at, at the end it wasn't confirmed that he took the money, but apparently he he knew about all the, the things that were happening uh, below the desk, uh, below the table. And uh, he's in Belgium right now, and that's why they, they cannot send him to jail. Uh, but people right now are like missing him because they say like, okay, yeah, maybe he stole something. Maybe he did things not so cleanly, but at least he made a lot of work for the country. Um, we don't care if they are stealing as far as they do things for us. That That's something that, that some people say. Um, and they are like, yeah, even saying like, if there's not a check that confirms that they stole, even if the numbers show that there was a lot of money that was missing in the process of stuff. Uh, they say, we don't care. We don't care because we need the proof, the visual proof that he was stealing. Uh, and that's something that, that happens. Um, and, and, and it's something that complicates the, the policy here in Ecuador because you need, in a sense, to show off what you are doing in, in order to prove that you are a good policymaker or politician at the end of the day so mm -hmm. you even see people from the congress not just focu foc focusing on the law making but they are also mm -hmm. like taking some some time of their uh, position to to do some charity work you know because mm -hmm. otherwise people don't understand that they have this role to make laws they they are like yeah they are in their desk they are not doing anything so for that reason they decide to go back to their provinces to go back to their cities and do some charity work uh give people stuff uh some t-shirts some candies you know like even mattresses is like a a tradition here in ecuador for politicians to do so at the end of the day this takes away a lot of resources out of the policy making process because they are not concentrated on what they should do uh and this complicates a lot of things for for us as a society at the end of the day i can imagine man. I, do you think it's like it's such a shame that a lot of the people don't aren't necessarily concerned if they think that the president is a like quote unquote good person or is doing well they just want to see like the jobs do you think that it's that the the expectation uh of the average ecuadorian for their leader is that maybe they will or that's okay if they're stealing some money but as long as they can provide jobs that's okay yeah yeah that that's precisely why what happens here in ecuador like they expect them to do something visual even like you mm -hmm. could do the best regulations they wouldn't care they wouldn't care if the, if the regulations are, are are the best and the ones that are going to 
move us forward uh, in terms of education. They don't want to make like a new curriculum that it's better for, for children. What they want is for them to build schools. Um, mm. In terms of like, they, they want like this big public works, visual and, and, and palpable in a sense, you know, like, 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 like they want to, to be able to touch what, what their leaders do. Um, and that's also one of the issues from the political advisors, you know, like mm -hmm. they tell politicians, even the new ones, the, the ones that could do something different, they tell them like, you know, if you don't do this kind of stuff, people won't be happy about your, your job. Um, and again, you, you see politicians, you see mayors, like instead of, of just working and trying to develop new projects and programs, they also have these uh, sessions or these things in which they go to the neighborhoods just to say hi to people, uh, just to hear that the what what are their problems. And some people just want that, that uh, at the end of the day, I like they are happy that the major comes to the to their neighborhood. They 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 are happy to be heard by one of the officials. And and then that's the, the the perpetual cycle at uh, at the end of the day because they are not working, they are not doing what they should do. Uh, instead, they just try to to build something which could be really expensive. Uh, it's not really necessary at the end of the day, but people are going to to see that and they are going to say like, "Cool, that that guy made what they needed to do." Uh, yeah. And if some money got lost in the process, if they suddenly were more rich than before. I mean, it's kind of okay because at least they did something something for us. That's sad. Um, can can you tell us about the roots of kid of quid? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. you you remember that in Maastricht we had this Facebook group called "Sharing is Caring." I do. Uh, yeah, and that was something that that I really liked. Uh, this sense of helping without defining if you need the help or not you know mm -hmm. like people for for people who who don't know about this initiative it's just a facebook group where people say like hey i cooked i overcooked my stuff uh i have too much for me who wants to eat something who wants to come and, and join dinner or mm -hmm. i'm leaving the city i have this uh you know like this tv somebody wants it i give you i, I will give it to you for free Things mm -hmm. like that. That that was really cool because at the end of the day, it's really productive. It's really green. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's healthy for the environment. This idea of just giving out your stuff and and not throwing it out. Mm -hmm. um, builds and community. That's something, yeah, yeah, and and also that builds community in, in in a sense because people they are happy to to share. They are happy to to get these connections. They are happy to help each other not even asking who you are and that's something that we lacked here especially in quito which is the capital of ecuador um mm -hmm. the city has grown so much that uh, you you don't know who lives near to you you don't trust uh the 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 people living in the city uh and that then that is kind of an issue here because you don't have a community if, and if you don't have a community you will not make any sacrifices for for the other you know like mm. why should i pay my taxes if i don't know who are they giving it them to so yeah. for that reason i i decided to create a group similar to that in, in facebook which is called el que quiere ayuda quito which is basically the same thing as sharing is caring. Uh, it, it's something like the one who wants to help will do it. Um, and it, it started strong. Like some people were like, oh, this is a cool initiative. I want to give this donation. I want to give out this. But they were contacting me as the admin of the group. And I was like, uh -huh. why, guys? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm nobody. I cannot handle this. I need to find a job. <laughs> Uh, this is this is cool thank you for sharing but at the same time this takes away time from from myself because i was back in ecuador looking for for opportunities i was looking for a job um 
and I didn't have the time to make this uh, initiative work by itself. Mm -hmm. But by the end of, of 2019, by the end of December, we, we decided to make like this Christmas event for immigrant children because Ecuador is, is one of the main hosts of the Venezuelan immigrants because of the crisis that mm -hmm. they have there. Uh, and there are a lot of, of Venezuelan children who, you know, like are, are, are in a bad position and they don't have anyone to give them something for Christmas. And, and we decided to make like an event uh, we gave them, you know, like food, candy, some toys, things like that. Uh, and we even had like this excess of donations to give out. Uh, for that, we decided to go to other communities, uh, some rural communities, one, one foundation that keeps uh, the, you know, like, women or or girls who have had some sexual abuse in the past mm -hmm. uh we also gave them something we want this other rural community where they teach them like carpentry and they they teach them they have like this kind of orphanage in a sense um and there was this this series of events who made us think with my wife uh okay there's a lot of things to do in Ecuador. Um, we should do something because there's people who want to help and there's people who need to be helped, but there's not the connection. The NGO system here is not working. The government is not doing what they should do at the end of the day. And for that reason, we should create something. And that's when we decided to create Quid. And the idea with Quid was to uh, create that connection, that sort of connection, make make a kind of network between the people who want to help and the people who need to be helped. Um, and the idea was to, you know, like not necessarily do this kind of project where you need to create the project, you need to go out and do the stuff, but it was just a matter of helping the initiatives that which are already working because there's a lot of initiatives that are quite small mm -hmm. that people care about that people feel you know like identified um but sometimes they are not well known they they also do it like without the the knowledge behind it they, they just do it because they want to and for that reason the impact that they have is reduced so that's why, where we decided to create Quit uh, in order to help these organizations and these initiatives where people are doing already something good, um, and, but they need some help in order to increase their, their capacities. That's, that was the main idea, and we started working since January. Uh, and then it was kind of funny because all the pandemic, all the crash came in... in by the end of February here in Ecuador. So we were in quarantines by the, the middle of March. Uh, and that slowed a bit of the process, but we are still trying to do some stuff. And that's where the Together Against COVID-19 came on. Yeah, can, can you talk to us about that? Because I remember you saying that initially when the pandemic was uh, recognized as a serious issue and that people should quarantine, that you started quarantine, but then there was a huge uh response from people asking you to continue to help in whatever way you could it, it was it was important for us to have this el que ayuda group like this facebook group because that's where we saw that there was a misconnection that there was uh, an issue between the the initiatives that the government and the public officials were doing and the needs of the people because at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there was this initiative that came from an NGO and then they associated with the government and they decided to create a project in which people would donate money and would create food kits and then they would distribute to people. Uh, at the same time, the government decided to give out some cash transfers. They were quite small because it was just $60 uh, per family per month. So it, it was not enough at the end of the day. Okay. But then people started like to complain in the group, like or, or more than complain, they were just telling us the, the situation. They they started to come out and, and say, like, hey, um, 
I'm trying to look for some help because we cannot go out because of the quarantine. We don't have a stable job. That's a situation here in Ecuador. Only 32% of the working uh, population are have a stable job. The rest of the population don't have it. So people were saying about like, you know, I, 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 I live day by day. I go out, I do my stuff, and that's how I sustain myself. But right now, because of the crisis, I cannot go out, I cannot work. And for that reason, I need some help. I, I need some food. And and we were from Quid, we were like, okay, um, check out these government uh, projects. Check out if you are a beneficiary of the, of the projects that the government is doing. Um, here's some links uh, you could check. And always the answer was, I already brought them. I already tried to contact them. They don't answer or I'm not part of this program because, you know, some people before the crisis, they surpassed the poverty line. Um, but after the crisis, after two weeks even of, of not being able to work, they they went down. They, they, they were poor. Uh, and they were not able to contact contact anyone the system was you know like suspended so so it's not possible for you to to try to go for a credit or things like that um and for that reason my wife which is the president of quit she decided like okay i'm doing something i'm going out she took some of her of her own money and she said like i'm going to buy some stuff for people and and then when she, when she came back, she was like, okay, um, I went to the top of the mon- mountain because Quito is, is a mountainous city. Uh, we have like, we live on, on, on the bottom of a volcano here. And, and she was like, I went to the top of the mountain. And people, I, I think that it's kind of impossible for people to receive any government uh, aid right now because these are neighborhoods which are not legal. Um, it's really difficult to access there. We have here a, a, a serious problem because these people, they are probably going to starve or not necessarily starve, but they are going to get out and they are going to get sick with COVID-19 because they don't have the measures to protect themselves. Uh, we need to do something. That's when we decided to make this this new project, the Together Against COVID-19. We decided to run this GoFundMe campaign for the U.S. We decided to launch like a national campaign for collection of funds here in Ecuador. And we started to give up some emergency food kits. So we tried to give them something so they can sustain themselves, so they can stay inside their homes so that they don't get sick. And yeah, we we try to target those communities, uh, those neighborhoods where the government will not reach or will take their time to reach. And also, as I mentioned, uh, we also target a lot of immigrants, uh, which sometimes are not legal. And for that reason, they cannot access any, any government program. Um, or they are afraid to contact the authorities, you know? Like, these are people uh-huh. who are starving, uh, whose rights are being violated because some people, they are thrown out of their homes because they are not able to pay rent right now, so they have it sent out. Um, but they cannot complain because they are afraid. They they are afraid that the, the government uh, or the authorities are going to deport them or send them to jail or things like that. And we also try to target them a lot because we know there are some big organizations, you know, there's the the refugees uh, organization from the UN, there's the migrant uh, international organization as well. But also they take their time, you know, how, how it works. Like they need to gather some funds. And right now in the middle of the international pandemic, it's kind of hard for other countries to or governments to donate some money to these kind of initiatives that taking care of immigrants in Ecuador. Like they are not thinking in, in, in that at, at the moment 
or or at least it takes some time in order for them to create the projects or the or earn the budget to to help these people. Like right now, there are some assistance programs. They give them some money so they can pay rent, things like that. But still, daily we receive calls. Uh, we decided to create this project and, and we create like a line for people to ask for help. And we start like with 20 families asking for help uh, at the, in the middle of April. And right now, uh, we have above 800 families who have asked for help. Um, And that's an issue because you see in the news, like the government saying like, yeah, we have these food kits, we are distributing, so everyone is okay. Uh, Don't worry. But at the end of the day, also we, 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 we face this reality of people telling us like, okay, maybe they are doing it, but they are not reaching here. So that's why we decided to to start with this project and to to ask for people for donations, because it's kind of different when when you are facing, you know, like quarantine with your family, with Wi-Fi, with a cable TV, um, and especially with the refrigerator full than mm. when you are living in a small room with six other people, no food, no money to to buy it. Um, and the government tells you like, okay, you need to stay inside. That's a, that's an issue right now. Uh, right now we are we're reaching a stage in which they are deciding that they cannot hold any more people inside their homes. So they are asking to reopen the economy. But one of the main issues is that the data management by the government has been really, I would say, even fishy. Um, If you check the graphs, uh, you can see that one day we have 35,000 cases. The next day we have 28,000 cases. Uh, Then the exponential growth stops and and we start just to, to have 100 cases per day. Oh. And and it's really different when when you check the Ecuadorian curve and you compare it with other countries with have like proper systems of data management. So what it seems like from a political analysis, it seems like they are so desperate to to reopen the economy because they are not able to afford uh, to have people inside that they are not caring anymore if people get sick or not. Um, it's like a desperate measure. They they even said like Guayaquil, which is the second largest city here in Ecuador, had already had a 60% rate of contagion. So it doesn't matter anymore. But if you compare the data and, and their estimations, because right now Ecuador is around the 38,000 cases, um, if, if Guayaquil would have this 60% rate of contagion, that would mean that at least one million, one and a half million were were sick in Guayaquil. Uh, and that's like the weird stuff at the end of the day, because they say like, yeah, 60% of the population has already been sick of, of COVID-19. Uh, but that would mean that Ecuador would be the worst case for COVID-19 at the end of the day, because that would mean that one and a half million or even more than that have already contracted the 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 virus. Uh, and that's the, the weird situation because it's either that all these people were sick or is that the government has decided just to people to reach this herd immunity just so they can help handle the economic situation. Um, and that's that's one of the things that we're also trying to tackle as uh, with this project. We are trying to assist the the aftermath of the sanitary crisis because here in Ecuador we think that is not necessarily going to be the the virus itself the main problem, but rather the economic crisis that comes after it because it's been two months of quarantine, two months of people not being able to go out to work. And they have debt, they have lost their jobs, uh, they are hungry, and all because of that, there are high risks 
of this second wave and that would be like catastrophic for the country. Malari, you mentioned so roughly there's 800 families asking you for assistance now. Are you currently able to do that? Like, do you have the resources to help these all of these families at the moment? At the moment? Not as we would like to to do it okay. because you know this this exponential growth of the demand for help has also been associated with with the the fact that once we reach a family. Mm-hmm. Three families contact us after it because they they hear that we are giving out some help and they start like calling us. Um, my my wife's phone is ringing all the time because there's a lot of people asking for help, even if we created an additional line just to keep track of the system. And that's why we need more help. Like, as a matter mm. of fact, we are trying to create a, a, an additional GoFundMe just for Europe because we know you guys have also faced this crisis and have also had a lot of problems. But at the end of the day, luckily, Europe has a strong public health system, has a strong economy, and that allows people to to defy this virus and this p- pandemic in a better way than here in Ecuador. Um and probably, like I, I'm not diminishing any any of the effects on on the crisis in in Europe, but probably Europe is going to come out of this uh, still strong, you know. Like the countries have the capability to do it, um, but here in Ecuador we don't have either the capability or the capacities, and that's why we still need more help because we know that. When we finish with our 800 families, there's going to come 2,000 probably who need more help. Um, that's the situation here. It, it's 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 just as COVID is an exponential growth uh, virus, the the help, uh, the demand for help is also exponential. Once you reach a family, you you get to a to a point in which all the the community, all the neighborhood is going to start calling you as well. It, the, it's it's what happened right now. Like we we have reached some agreements with some organizations, but most of those agreements is to see if we can help them with their projects as well. Like uh, there are these organizations which are more stable and more local, as I mentioned before. Like they have these thirty families which they take care of. They have these two hundred families that they take care of, and and what they are asking is like let's see if you can help me with 20 kids for for these 200 or even five of these 30 that's that's the thing that we are working right now and and that's why we need more help and we need to strengthen our capacity to assist the families that have contacted us but also all these other organizations which are doing their their best to defy this this pandemic as well Thanks for that, Bernardo. Can I ask, how is this impacting you, like on a emotional, mental, physical level? Because it sounds like incredibly taxing, and draining. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's really tiring in a physical sense because we are the ones who are going out and and distributing the food kits. Um, you know, face mask. Uh, we are also using like a a visor, uh, globes, alcohol all the time, um, going to neighborhoods that I've never went before. Like it, it, it was kind of amazing. I was telling somebody the other day, like I went to the top of the mountain and the, to the, you know, like the bottom of the, of the valley, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you could say like <laughs> all, all, all these neighborhoods that you know even I, I was afraid to go to before you know because it, they mm. were considered these dangerous neighborhoods where if you go you're probably coming out without socks even if they don't take out your shoes that's what they say <laughs> <laughs> um, but but then then I, I had this kind of opportunity like it's kind of selfish to to say because people are suffering inside of their 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 homes right now but i had this opportunity to go out 
and and kind of see what's the reality of my own city. I, I've never done this before. Um, and that also makes me happy because, you know, it, it's like this kind of personal revenue to give food to these people who are not able to, to afford it right now. Um, when you contact them, most of the time, like I would say like 95% out of the, the, the calls, you, you will hear a child crying like behind, like in the background uh, because they are hungry. Like, you know, when, when you're an adult, you, you can handle it. Uh, you can bite your nails. But when you're a child, you, you cannot afford to do that. You, you, you will complain. Uh, and, and that's like this personal revenue that we are earning of reaching these these children. One of the 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 stories that the you know that impacted me the most was one family uh, in the center of the city. Like you you wouldn't expect like that many people inside of a of a place so small. Uh, I'm from the balcony there was this small child who cried for his mom and, and, and he said like, mommy, food, there's food here. Mm. And it's something that, that you take for granted, yeah. especially when you're a child, you never expect a child to cry for food, like to, to be happy for food. And it's not like we are giving out like, uh, you know, things like pizza or things like burgers or things like normally, um, normally would impact a a child like they would get happy because of that it's rather that right now they they were just happy to have some flour to have some rice uh, to have some lentils Mm. Uh, and that was something that that made me want to to reach more people and to be able to to reach out for more people who want to help as well because I would like for all the children to to also take food for granted, not not to be happy yeah, 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 yeah. because they are receiving something. Um, and also, like there was also this this situation uh, where we found someone who was looking for food in the in the trash in the garbage, mm-hmm. um, and we stopped and we called them like, "Hey, do you need any help?" And and because we normally contact the families before. And we go to to their homes to deliver the food directly, mm-hmm. instead of instead of just going out and and trying to find someone who needs the help. We we run this kind of multidimensional poverty, our, like our own index to to determine who is vulnerable. But what we found this woman looking in the garbage, uh, and and we asked her, "Do you need any help?" And she was like, "Yeah, but you know, we live in the streets. Nobody helps us." Um, and I was like, here, here, have have this food kit. Help yourself, in a sense. Um, and in that case, it wasn't like I, I didn't get that that revenue that I mentioned before. It was rather uh, really hurtful. The the idea of helping someone in the street doesn't make you feel good you know it, it's it's more a matter that that you feel bad that you you couldn't reach before they were in that situation mm. um it, it if, if you ask me about the this emotional impact uh it it makes you feel more humble because then you realize that you're not a hero <laughs> uh, uh just i mean you're just working to help people to to make them surpass this hard stage but but you're just a human as the rest of the others uh, you're yeah, just yeah, an yeah. equal um who who's probably not going to be able to help everybody uh you need to take account of your limit limits can I is can I ask? Is that difficult for you, Bernardo? Is it is it difficult for you to unwind and say, "Hey, I've done all I can today, or I've done all I can this week," even though you know there probably is someone calling right now, or there probably is someone who could do with your help? Is it difficult? To- yeah, yeah, 
yeah. it's definitely really, really, really hard because we are trying our best, um, but at the same time, it's like this: the best you can do is not going to be enough, uh, in a yeah. sense. Uh, mm-hmm. We like I don't know how, but but there was this this person also this week who found my number. I don't know how, but she contacted me on Friday and she was like, hey, I'm a single mother. I have my child. She's uh, she's having some issues because I, I'm not able to feed her properly. Uh, can you help me? And I was like, okay, you, you can contact our line for for the assistance uh, in order to, to run this uh multi-dimensional poverty index and determine her vulnerability risk mm-hmm. and she she did it she she was like okay i can do it and then she she also texted me yesterday uh and she was like hey i contact them um they haven't answered and i was like yeah i mean it's it's the weekend you know like the the person in charge of that also needs to rest mm-hmm. and she was like yeah but at the same time you offered some help and i have not received any answer mm. and it's like it, it's really hard it's, uh, at a personal level it's like okay i want to help everybody but also i i don't have right now the all the resources that i would like to have in order to yeah. reach them uh and that is also really shocking and that's why um sometimes I just need like to rest. Like I, I, I am really trying to have the weekends for me. Like also mm-hmm. sometimes we have the weekends to deliver some food. Like we have some some Saturdays, some Sundays we deliver food kits. But but I also when when I I I reach home, I try to go take a bath with my clothes on, even because of the COVID, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just try to disconnect for, for a minute. Uh, I, I take that small privilege of trying to disconnect with the reality, and then next morning I'm trying to find a new way of financing our project. Uh, I contact people in Europe and tell them, like, "Hey guys, help me save Ecuador." Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but that's something, you know. Because also there is a point where if you don't look after yourself the help that you give just won't be good enough or as good as you could give, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. you're kind of running on empty, you know? Yes, yes. I, I mean, at the same time, I have this this lucky time that, as I mentioned at the beginning, like, luckily I'm healthy. Um, all my family is healthy as well. So I have that to keep on forward. Um I'm lucky to to also, in in a sense, to be able to do this with my wife. Uh, and and when I'm weak, she's strong. When she's weak, I'm strong. We complement each other in that sense. Yin and yang. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And then we also have like this this set of people working with us who are also trying their best. Um, we in the in the middle of the pandemic even we 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 were able to contact some interns that are helping us with the organization right now okay great and that's also like that that brings some some hope you know because it's new generations it's not like i'm old <laughs> but at the same time you know that if we fail there's like some younger uh, people trying to also do their best to help in this yeah. situation so so that's nice um and that's why i take this privilege of of cutting out some fr- from the world uh in order to be able to the next day to do something else and to to continue with this this uh, and we are also trying to work out right now that we are reaching this new stage where they are going to open the economy again even if there's this high risk of the second wave, we're also trying to find ways to to create some projects for the aftermath. Um, we're talking with the people that we have helped so far, and we are we are trying to to reach new ideas of how we can change the system or how we can 
face this new reality, as they call it, call it here, like the, the new normality. Um, we are trying to also think already on what we can do in order to to tackle the all, all the damage that has been done. Mm -hmm. Can I ask just best case scenario, what are your hopes for the next few weeks and months? Best case scenario. Best case scenario. Uh, yeah. Well, I would really look forward for you know like the the international system to to cooperate in a way to to realize that we need to tackle this as a global problem um mm -hmm. that if we don't help those who are at the bottom there are high risks not only of them to perish but uh, even for them to rebel you know mm -hmm. people with yeah. hunger they are going to be really angry because the system failed them so i would really look forward for the international community to to gather in a sense of community of realizing that we need to tackle this as if it would be happening to us you know like mm -hmm. the countries which are at the top who have been able to surpass the crisis uh, they would need to take a leadership role um mm -hmm. they would need to do their best in order to help those who are already uh you know like collapsing even yeah, because yeah. otherwise we are going to fight well, to I, face I, I, a, I, I, a, a big crisis for sure let's let's hope so man uh, but and on a more uh local level uh, with your project uh, either they're hopes for the next few weeks and months that maybe if you get some additional funding you can roll out um, an improvement on the the yeah. current project yeah, that, that's for yeah. sure that's for sure like we are always uh, we're, we're always looking for sustainability of our project uh, as mentioned we we are launching this this campaign soon um, yeah best case scenario is that we reach our goal uh, that we we can make this a project in which we we could help all these families that that we're still lacking uh who, who are still behind on our list and also if if there's people who are interested in ecuador who are interested in, in helping the country and who have the capacity of developing something more stable um some some opportunities for the people there's also something like a best case scenario because as you know as we learned in, in in maastricht it's not just a matter of giving out because that's not sustainable at, at what point that's going to to collapse even mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. even people get tired of just giving out money giving out money so we need to find a way in which uh, these people can sustained by themselves what we are doing right now it's as mentioned it's an emergency solution it's just for them not to get sick right now in the middle of the pandemic but then we need the the funding and we need the opportunities for them to be able to sustain by themselves and people want it it's, it's not like they want and they like to be assisted and, and to be uh, oh, yeah. aid receivers they they hear people are proud like you see when when they come and they always start with hey it's a shame to do this I, I i don't like to do this i don't ask for help normally um but here is a different situation uh people they say like if i could go out and work and sell my sell my stuff or if anybody would give us a job we would do it um when we, we reach a house in which there were like eight families living there um, and they came out and, and we were like, okay, you need to work. Yep, eight. Um, children, old people, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people there. And we gave them some corn because we, we had some some surplus from the food kit and, and we gave them like a box uh -huh. with, with corn. 
And there was this guy who, who was completely right. He said, like, hey, what I want is a job. That's what I want. I, 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 it's, it's not like I want some corn. I, I don't want charity. I, I, I want to work. But right now, you know, it's really hard. The, the economy is not the best in, in Ecuador. And that's why we need like these people, these smart people trying to develop things, trying to propose uh, opportunities for the people to to take control of their own paths. Yeah. Well, man, um, the work you're doing is super inspiring. And uh, I really do hope that uh, your, your goals are reached, you know, your hopes are attained. Uh, and I hope you keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> but yes, before... Yes. Of course. <laughs> um, and for all the listeners, I will attach uh, links to the website uh, and the GoFundMe uh, in the show notes. So that's no problem if you guys want to learn more about Bernardo and the project. Um, before we leave you, Bernardo, we usually ask our guests how they keep on top of their mental health. Now, you mentioned the bath. Are, are there any other things that, that really help you to find this balance to to maintain some sort of uh, peace yes i mean you know helping others is probably one of the best medicines that you could reach as a human being mm-hmm. um i i just read the other day one one phrase which said like the point where you define when a species has reached a civilization level mm-hmm. is uh, when 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 you see the assistance of those who are not able to survive by themselves um, and and that took me like a couple of minutes to understand, but it was this idea that you know. What what makes us better as a community, as a species, as 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 a whole human uh, community, is this idea that we can give out and we can make other people reach what they want to reach, uh, and that's something that is really helpful because I'm not thinking that I'm feeding people. I'm thinking that I'm giving them the opportunity for them to grow. And also to see that by helping others, you can reach better things. Um, we always mention the, that we have these donors. We have asked them to to send out some messages, just not to make this material. Um, in in our in our social media, you would be able to see also like we try to to ask for the people receiving the help to send like this virtual hug or this thumbs up. Um, mm-hmm just to show the gratitude as well mm-hmm. and that's something that that helps mentally i think that that by helping others you also help yourself uh this is something that that i've never done before in a sense because before like creating quid i was more like an academic guy like i was always reading books i was always trying to make theories and things like that mm-hmm. that was my path um but after this, uh, I've seen a completely different world, and it, it's something that I really want to to do and to promote for others to do, like try to help others, uh, and and not not try to check if they need the help or not, because that's that that becomes an issue, because then you you think that you are in a position where you can judge others if they need the help. Um, just try to to give them a hand uh just try to to put your shoulder so they can cry not cry on it mm. even if you don't know them because mm. that's going to be useful even for you to grow as an individual to defy some of our inner de- demons you know like because that that reminds you of one of the reasons why i personally believe uh, we're here in the world and it's to make a change, uh, a positive change. So, so I would really recommend other people to go that way, so they can be stable as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because there are just even super small things that you you could do that you probably I I know I do I I overlook them, uh, and they're just small things that could really just help two or three people. And sometimes I don't know. Maybe I was a bit like you. I also spent a lot of time like in my head or reading, um, and sometimes it, you, you need to step out of this and uh, just some physical contact i know it's the covid (laughs) but some physical yeah even um i don't know if you know shia labeouf you know shia labeouf yep Uh uh-huh yeah he he was going through a tough time and not too long ago and in an interview i watched with him recently he said i had no self-esteem i had no self-esteem because i wasn't doing any esteemable acts you know like he wasn't doing anything for him to feel good about himself you know and for sure, what, what more esteemable act is there than to help somebody else? Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Like, like, how do you know what you can do if you're not doing it? How you can say that you are the how you can say that you are the bottom if you don't know the bottom? Maybe you have reached your bottom, but you don't know that probably other people are, are struggling more than you, and that you yeah. still have the the capacity to help them. You you still can be the the pillar for somebody else. It doesn't mean like mental health is not important and and if you're passing through a hard time, you don't need to take your time to reflect over stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you you need to always contrast. I mean, you you always need to to determine if if that's really the the best you can do. Uh, mm. and, and and when you go out and when you start to try to find solutions, when you um, try to to bring someone up, uh, then you realize that maybe you you have more to give to the world, uh, and that's something that that you can only do if if you decide to do this and you decide to go out and help others. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's no better way to end than on that note, Bernardo. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Man, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate you having this conversation. I hope it resonates with people. And if it does, please send it on to your friends or your family because, uh, yeah, this was was fantastic. Thanks, Bernardo. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And and please be safe. I mean, again, I know that, that in Europe things are a little bit better but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take care of yourselves uh yeah just just try to enjoy um the opportunities that we have right now Uh, if you're in a bad situation don't be ashamed uh just just call out for some help and if you have the opportunity to do something for somebody else today just do it as shaya leva would say (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's it man thanks a million all, all the best for Adam thank you man take care